and welcome to Clamp, the weekly podcast where we discuss all things related to creating, living, and making projects. I'm your host, Grant Alexander. Joining me as always is Adam Mackey and Jesse Ratfink. This weekend, no, this week, we decided that we wanted to talk about documenting our projects. Uh, and so this was Jesse's idea, so I'm going to throw it over her to talk about the subject. Well, so working at Instructables for so long and talking to people about how they document, uh, I have come to realize that people do it in wildly different ways. And so I'm interested in y'all's process and also our listeners' viewers. Uh, I just find it really interesting because there are a lot of people that really focus on the photo video aspect first. There are people who do a lot of trial and error and note taking and more of the like writing part of it first. So yeah, I'm just really curious to see where we all fall. <laughs> so uh, I guess I can start with how I've uh, generally done it for Instructables. I generally uh, make a video and then later take like the video gets everything, hopefully, <laughs> you know, and then I take that and I write instructions based on that because mm -hmm. I don't think I could write instructions prior to it. Um, like I, I think it would be very, very difficult to write instructions without having actually made the thing. Yeah, see, and that's what I do, which is, but a lot okay. of mine are recipes where it's like a, you know, a sewing thing that I've done a thousand times. So I actually find it super helpful to write out like everything I'm going to show people beforehand. And then I sort of have a checklist for when I am right. actually documenting because I've tried to do photos first before and I have missed like complete bits of it because you just sort of get in the zone and start going and I... Yeah, I screw that up every time I do it. So I think you're like the type of person who, if you were making video content, would have a shot list. Yep. And it would be like, <laughs> I need these shots, and this is what's going to be in the video. And I'm the person who goes, I need to build the project. And hopefully, as I'm doing it, I'm thinking about all the things all the time, which is not efficient. And I definitely film way more than I need to. And I definitely sometimes miss stuff. Uh, but I generally don't miss anything that's important. I've done both ways. I but generally I always like record first and then do everything after. But I've done where I've like I've made a video before where I made a shop list and it was so much better. But it's trying to remember like what or, or think of like what sort of shots you want to get and stuff is where I had like trouble because like I don't have that experience. Like that's I don't have the experience of like what shots look good or what shots would be good, but trying to come up with some was, was really fun. And right. So I guess there's a bit that I think there's a big difference between when you're documenting, uh, for sh like making a video or writing instructions is a big, like trying to document for how to is a big difference than trying to document for storytelling mm -hmm. purposes. Yeah. Right. Like with storytelling purposes, you really want to have more reactions and stuff like that and, and kind of telling the story as it goes and the why behind it and the documentation of the actual making isn't as important as getting your reactions to the trials and tribulations. And I think, uh, you know, I think there's a, like a document, a documentary, documentary, do documentary. <laughs> uh, documentary yeah. My brain was like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like one of that type of filmmaking 
is is documenting, but it's documenting in a completely different way to try and capture the emotions of something and the right. It's it's a lot more about the storytelling and a lot less about how to. So I think there's something to that too. Yeah, I think I think also like when you're making video content, if you're say if you're a dedicated camera person, you're constantly thinking of like shots and what could look good and stuff but when you're trying to document yourself making something that's not you're like you're not thinking about that you're thinking about making the project and what you need to get in what you need to show in the video rather than cool shots and you know what sort of stuff right is there any ever like times that y'all are in the middle of it and realize that like oh, this is just, like, I've just completely screwed this up. I have to do, like, a do-over. Is there ever, like, a time that you have to do something multiple times? Because I always have to, but maybe y'all not. So I've definitely had it. I've had it on a few different occasions for a few different reasons. So sometimes you get the I've pressed record and that actually stopped the recording instead (laughs) of starting the recording because you were by accident recording nothingness. Um, and then I've done a, I, I've done it a couple different ways where I've re-recorded something, like just made the exact same cut on another piece of material that I, so then I had two, or I have done the uh, like reenactment cut. So it's actually already cut, but I go through my bandsaw, like yeah. pretending to cut it <laughs> and then like taking it apart. And like, I think that's funny, but it's not as good for how to, uh, you know, I've also done uh, where I I didn't feel like I caught a good, when I went to go edit it. I didn't feel like I caught a good angle or it just wasn't clear. So I've redone it like at my desk. Uh, one time I remember I was doing knot tying for a project, and the knot tying you couldn't tell what I was doing in the video. I was just like too far back using my GoPro, so I ended up mm-hmm. reshooting it with my camera on my desk right up close so you could see the knot. Um, so that's the times, the different times that I've kind of had to redo something to get the documentation. Yeah. I was curious about that with video because I feel like sometimes like I always feel like I only have one chance because <laughs> I don't, I don't think well enough about how to document in video. I don't always set up like each scene that I need to tell this story just because I'm, I'm not good at thinking that way yet. And so I think that's why I really lean on text documentation because I can always go back and add more. Like I don't have to edit a video. I can just add a few sentences and it's, mm-hmm. it covers whatever anxiety I had about leaving something out. It's, it's definitely very frustrating when you go to edit after you've completely finished the project and shots are like blurry or like the, the, it just didn't work out. And it's very frustrating. But I, I also tend to do a lot of, work that I can't repeat mm-hmm. which makes it hard you know like someone's outside cutting yeah, that was very well timed uh, yeah um, I was trying to thought but like, you, you, like if you cut something to length for instance like one board that you have that you cut to length you can't really shoot that again I have a tip for that and what I do is I I do a like I take the scrap bit and I get super in close and yeah. you just show it cutting it and you they can't tell the rest of the board isn't there. So one time sure. I wanted to show filling a knot in the 
And this is one of the times where I hit clicked record and instead got a nice tour of my house as I took the camera <laughs> from one workshop to the other workshop of my house. And I, you know, I went to go put CA glue or epoxy in a knot hole and, and I didn't have any of that footage. I had the thing. So I had a piece that was like maybe four inches wide. <laughs> and so I put a bunch of blue tape to sh- so that yeah. I wouldn't get epoxy on the, the good, <laughs> good wood. And it just made it look like it was way longer. And I filled a different knot hole, but no one could tell no one in the video. And uh, that, that was actually a tip that uh, LTD Woodworks, John from our, our old discord group there, uh, Adam, he yeah. actually, he was the one who suggested I do that. He said, just yeah, grab another piece of wood and fill it. Yeah. I, I would love to see the first person that notices and go, that knot's a different shape. Yeah, <laughs> that would be really funny to get a comment of, like because yeah, well, who would ever notice? Like who who is watching your video that closely that they would notice that they're not a different shape? So I actually see people complain about that in Instructables comments all the time. Yeah, and that, I can understand be like, that. Yeah, well, this looks different. Why does that look different? You know, people get really, really, really specific and they're like but staring that's still at the images. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to a video that, like, it goes past it. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing, like, think about all the comments people get about, like, you know, Morley or, or Daner's palettes not being real palettes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, or, oh, or, you put it yeah. through a planer, now it's a real piece of wood you got from the store. And it's like, <laughs> well, no, it's that's. That, that wood looked black before, and now it's, like, clear. Yeah, that's because I ran it through the planer and it cleaned it up. Yeah. 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 So. I get that. Now, another, uh, you know, tip that uh, I got from documenting from uh, Jimmy DeResta was make more than one in the project. So do mm-hmm. the first one, then yeah. document the second one, right? And if there's any complicated stuff, if you're <laughs> only making two, do the the complicated stuff. Do like a, you know, security camera type footage. So at the very least, you have that that other angle right mm-hmm. yeah so you do like the you know the camera in the way back security camera looking footage that you know isn't very compelling but if if you catch an interesting thing you at least have it right yeah and if i ever you know have kickback i would have liked to, i wish i had security camera footage would be better than none <laughs> right i can't tell you how many times i've injured myself and thought god i wish i had that on camera right <laughs> Well, like I remember when I was installing my uh, attic stairs, I did them by myself, which was stupid because they're like 90 pounds. And I was up, huffing them up a ladder by myself. And I got to the top and it hit something in the drywall or in the rafters. And I went backwards. Yeah. And I caught myself by like, I just raised my hands and like, took the the brunt of the the stairs with my chest and just happened to grab on and didn't fall off the ladder and i just went no one would believe me if i told them that that's what i did (laughs) because i am not like i spider-man like you know that scene with the train that's what i felt like was happening yeah but uh yeah i wish i had a security camera for i wish i I had filmed right before that and i filmed right after and i went i don't want to film this because if i film it i'll get hurt because mm. <laughs> I was doing something stupid. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think that's a lot to do with the 
the the video I, I think having extra video can help you with your documenting. Yeah, right? For sure. And and especially if you are making multiples, like it's it's really good to do the first one to work out like, oh, this would be this is what I need to show sort of thing. Whereas like if you're right. if you're making just one of something, you're not thinking about like the process that you need to show on video. You're just like, okay, I'm just gonna quickly film what I'm doing and then at the end I'm gonna try and jumble it together in an editor. Well, at least that's right. what I do anyway. I always make multiples of things, but I never document the first time, <laughs> which oh, is yeah. a little weird. But it's like I, I feel like I sort of have to work out all the kinks and think about like problems people might run into or I don't know. I always am really weird about the first try of a project or a recipe or anything. Like it's sort of my secret failure or success. <laughs> It's funny you say that because people want to see the failures and the hiccups that you come up with because that's what they relate to. That's what they want to know of, oh, if I hit that wall, how did you get past it? Because that's going to help me get past it. But I do the same thing. I'll make it the first time so I can make sure I do it correct the second time mm-hmm. and not show the mistakes, which is the opposite of what people want. But- so I think a lot of people get confused about the difference between uh, showing yourself making something and then they want to see that the failures along the way or whatever and how to content. Yeah. If you're showing me how to content, I don't, I want someone who's done it more than once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like I don't want to watch a how to do something and you're like, well, this is my first time and I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're going to right? like, I want you to at least have done it at least once beforehand. Right. Now, in that how-to content, you can show errors along the way, especially if they're common errors that make sense to show someone. Like, Mm. you know, if you're using a lathe, make sure you don't do X or Y. Like, it makes sense. And this is what happens if you don't. The bowl explodes, right? Which is 100% why I've always said in my videos, I probably slipped up every now and then, but it's always how I made it, not how to make it. Right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't consider myself qualified enough in anything to be telling people how to do something that is my problem like i i think because i was like i was getting so many views for a long time i wanted to be the expert on something and so while i wasn't showing the mistakes i was telling people like i was sort of helping people troubleshoot Mm. like i might not have show but i would tell them don't do this because then this will happen, <laughs> that sort of thing. Right. Like I, I spent so much time thinking about all the ways that projects could screw up for people and then putting, you know, below each step, little tips, going really overboard with it just because, yeah, I feel like if people want to make this recipe, they want to make it exactly. They don't want to see like how I ruined it <laughs> really. So it's, I don't know. Right. I think I have a perfection issue <laughs> also. And I think that, that kind of, talks about the importance of documenting or why you would want to document because there's a lot of different things like we a lot of us we've been talking all this way about sharing our content and trying to teach other people right and that is definitely one importance of documenting but if you come from a different place and say you're in business you're you're talking about production and repeatability mm-hmm. and documenting is really important for that uh I went to look at a house and the guy who 
uh, owned it prior to me, and this this talks about both production and a different way of documenting. Is uh, he built engines, and that's why I wanted to go look at it because I was you know big into car stuff, and it had like a really cool uh, setup for a like a three car garage plus an entire workshop that was also a garage that you could pull a car into. So it's a really cool setup. Uh, but in that, I I looked and he had like the walls were written with stuff that made sense for the engines he was building. Right. Like they were literally written on, like if I I was buying as part of the thing, if I could decode it secrets on how to build good engines. Um, I kind of, he wanted way too much money for his house and it was way out in the middle of nowhere. So we ended up not (laughs) buying it. Uh, Going back in time, now working from home for two years, it kind of wouldn't have been that bad. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it's that one thing of like the importance of documenting is if you want to produce something, if you want to, you know, if you figured something out along the way, you want to write it down so that, or or document it some way so that you can repeat it or so that you can learn from that. So how do y'all take notes about your process? Because this is something I've been really good at and also really failed at. I've (laughs) learned I can't do paper notes because then I just end up with fucking post-its all over that are like 80 grams of butter. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? And what is this for? (laughs) So like now I use my iPad a lot because then I have the notes across all of my Macs and it's like easy. And I've got like the pencils so I can do all the handwritten ones because I don't really like typing. So yeah, it's. I've kind of come to realize over the years that I do really well digitally, but not physically. (laughs) So I have a couple different ways of taking notes to document things. So if it's like during the podcast, I generally have a notepad. I don't have one here right now, but I generally have a notepad and a pencil so that I can take notes as we're recording so that if you say something I want to respond to, I can easily write jot a little thing so that I know I don't forget it uh, or it's a really good point and I want to like add to it or whatever. Uh, I do that, but I find those are what I call transitory notes. So at the end of it, it they they can go right into the garbage. Yeah. If something needs to be documented uh, for a longer period of time than that, then it needs to be done in an instructables booklet that you get for winning contests. <laughs> uh, those are my field notes books. They're the ones that I use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I really do use those little field notebooks the most for the next project i take open up the thing and i write down all like the cut list of stuff and i take that with me and i go and and make the thing and i can refer back to it and it's nice especially when i the few times i have been doing kind of production stuff is i'll write in it like how i came to a formula to like produce a frame because mm-hmm. once you take out the you know, if you're making a floating frame, you have to like do a bunch of math to make it all work out. If you're depending on the way you're doing it anyways, all that to say, if you don't have the formula and then you have to go look it up again, you might screw it up and then make a frame that's one inch too small. And I'm not looking over there at the one that I made. (laughs) So, uh, that's, I like to look at back at that. And if I, if I've used something to figure that out, then I, I like to write it down on an actual physical notebook. But my problem with that is that they get lost, especially mm-hmm. if you write a lot of notes and you do a lot of projects, they become meaningless if you can't find it. 
and something. So I started trying to use a, a Google Notes program, and I tried a bunch of other things. And they, I write a whole bunch of like ideas down in there, and I never look at them again. And I know this is something uh, David Picciuto has mentioned. He has an app that, like, his whole, like, lock screen pops up one of his notes. Oh. A random note is popped up on his lock screen. So anytime he looks at his phone, it reminds him of an idea he had. And every time, it's a different idea. I wonder what makes him app. They were, like... pretty, like, random thing to... To come up like unless you have a common problem like him which lots of people do yeah but still i i wonder like i wonder what the intention was of that app because that's actually a really cool idea i think it's exactly what it was it was you have a bunch of cool ideas and you can't you write them down and never think about them again because as soon as you write them down your brain has said i don't have to put this any like i don't have to focus on this anymore and so it's gone and I just I, I don't know what the app is, and maybe we'll find it and uh, link it in the show notes if we can. If not, you have to go listen to making it. He we'll made it his recommendation. <laughs> we'll, we'll message David and figure it out. But uh, I, yeah, it's that's what I want. So I generally put notes in my phone. Um, I don't have a notepad because I'm just hopeless and will definitely lose them. But I I am or I was actually using an app called Trello. Mm. which is, um, I'm pretty sure um, Bob uses it, I'm pretty sure. Someone mentioned it on a podcast. I'm pretty sure it was Bob on making it. I think actually David mentioned it a long time ago. Maybe David. So you can make individual, like for each project, you can make a board, and then you can share that board to other people that have access to your stuff. But you can also log into it on every device, like, even just on a website, you can just go to the website and you can see all your notes and everything. So I was making checklists on there, especially when I was doing like the video where I had shot shots that I wanted to actually get, I'd put the list on there and I could tick it off as I go. And when you tick it off, it moves it into like the finished folder. So it just takes it away from that note, puts it in a new note automatically. Yeah. So we actually used to use Trello at Instructables to keep track of our contests because there are always so many moving pieces. Trello is awesome. I really like it. I have moved away though from all of those and now I have just started using like the bulleted list and the Mac notes and that's just what I do for everything because it's I don't know. I can't handle many more programs, I don't think. Well I think I think yeah. with Trello, like it's it's a bit more specific of like if there's certain features that you're looking for. But if you just want to keep notes, mm-hmm. it's a bit over the top. It's like iPhone versus Samsung. Like they're both great phones, but iPhones are just so simple to use, and that's why people will like them. I don't find them simple. <laughs> yes, some people they don't. Are, they <laughs> yes. are, though. Like, like, we have iPads at work, and there's a reason why we have them, because they just they work. There's no, like, getting around all the background stuff and everything. They just, for the, for the stuff that we do, they just work. I don't know. Whereas, like, I, I prefer, like, I prefer having Samsung where I have control over how it works. I think there are very simple uh, Androids and there are very simple and there's only one level of Apple. And I think that's the difference. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't find it simple. I don't know. Apple doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and I've tried. Uh, yeah, much I, like I, I mean, I can use, I can use a, an iPhone fine, but put me in front of a Mac and I'm lost for days. Right. <laughs> that's how but I feel we're getting a little PC. bit. <laughs> yeah. 
We're getting a little off topic. Enough of the um, enough of the bagging apple. <laughs> so, another thing I was thinking about was three uh, D modeling is a really good way of documenting stuff because you basically do a lot of the planning ahead of time, and uh, you know from that three D model you then. Uh, can use that to document your project later or go back and, and like uh, my buddy used SketchUp to uh, do his entire house and submitted it. It was detailed enough that he submitted it as the ar- architectural drawing to cool. the architect who then signed off on it because he took his one-story bungalow and turned it into a two-story and he used SketchUp to do everything and yeah. So he did 90% of it in uh, prior to, and then as he made a change, like as he bought like fixtures or whatever, he would then go into SketchUp and change like his faucet because he bought a different faucet than the one that he modeled. And so he has an entire 3D model of his house. That's so he can, and he can go back and like document between the two different, like what it was like before and after. And it's really cool. Yeah, I really, it's really cool. I really wish that Fusion had a 3D model warehouse like SketchUp does. Yeah. I'm sure they do, but it's probably paid. I've, I've looked. I mean, you can find like 3D models and stuff and put them into Fusion, but there's not like a dedicated user in yeah. like a, a Fusion mm. thing. So you can, like, you can download like STLs and put them in and stuff, but it's really hard. To, like there's not like a just add it in. You've got to download it, add it and then, um, I don't know, add it into yeah. Fusion or whatever. But yeah, it's pretty cool though. All I know it. is I, I, the last time I tried to do that, it, the Google one, it wasn't Google anymore. And, mm-hmm. and then things just didn't work anymore. My version of SketchUp was out of date and it wouldn't let me import any of the models I tried to import. And oh, I went, no. this sucks. And then I downloaded Fusion and I never looked back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a Fusion user as well now. I moved I moved away from SketchUp when they did all their changes. But I actually, 3D modeling is pretty much my sort of realm expertise because that's what I, that's every single project I do. I make a 3D model, not because I want to for the process, but more of like I used to always take my laptop to work and I'd be thinking about projects and that was how I would sort of start my project is I've got my laptop sitting in front of me. I might as well make a 3d model and get everything worked out, what size I want and everything. And I just, that's just what I always did. I probably wouldn't do it as, as much anymore because I don't take my laptop all the time. But Well, you should keep taking your laptop because it's also good for when you're sitting around and you've forgotten to do something for the <laughs> podcast and you could just yeah. do it. You know, you could just make a bag or buy a bag that allowed you to bring your laptop in an easier way. I do, but it, see, see, this is the thing, right? Like I don't sit at an, I'm not in an office where like, I just, I get to work and then I'm there for the day and then leave. Like I've got to carry that shit around with me all day. I'm moving from train <laughs> oh, to train. Oh and, like, no. I, know, I have to that do a little a bit of exercise. Like, I'm a little bitch. All right. So leave uh, me alone. No, I, I agree with you. Carrying stuff all over sucks. When I lived in Oakland and commuted to San Francisco every day, I would just like not take anything. <laughs> like I would have a wallet in my back pocket. I just hate I, it. I, I hate, hate, hate carrying bags. Like we go, because so every year they have um, what they call the Sydney Royal Easter Show. And it's like the big sort of 
um, big show in Sydney. It goes for like two weeks and it's just this like, massive fair of like rides and animals and all sorts of stuff. I can't stand going there with a bag. Carrying around a backpack for eight hours just kills me. I like, it sucks. It's, it is. I have no problem with that. <laughs> I would have a, it, I, I could not. I could not carry something if I had to put it in my hand. Oh, I would yeah, just throw it out. Like mm-hmm. if I have a like a coffee mug, and for some reason I can't put it in my backpack, I'll just leave it at work. If it, my, <laughs> I'll just like I, I hate. I hate even like having stuff. I know we're going on a bit of a tangent, but I even hate having stuff like in my bag. Like I use um throwaway containers for when I take food to work because I hate having to carry the empty container back home. <laughs> Wow. All right. I actually, so sorry, quick. No, quickly, we're going to go tip. back on topic. Now, quick tip before, before you move on, my wife actually found this thing. So at like we have Kmart, I don't know what you, Walmart or whatever, you know, you can buy like handbags and they've got like a, like a laptop strap for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My wife went and bought some of those. And then when we go for walks with the kids, they, she uses that strap to like put their drink bottle on. So they just put it like over their shoulder, like a sash. All right. So um, the other thing about documenting I found is I've, I've always, one thing that I saw someone do at work, and this obviously made sense for the workflow that they were doing was that they would write everything on uh, notepads. And then when they got back to their desk, they would take that notepad and put it into a binder that represented the different things they were working on. So the different projects they were working on so that all of the notes from one project would be in the correct binders instead of being Mm -hmm. in like a single notebook that a lot of, you see a lot of like executives come in with their singular notebook that they write their notes on. And I go, you'll never be able to find the notes for that project ever again. That that makes me think um, with that, when you guys are finished with a project, do you keep your notes? Oh, um, legally so speaking, that that I, I have a well, yeah, but like for your personal stuff, though, like does that guy now have a home library full of binders from all his previous projects? Like how Adam Savage <laughs> has like all of his books from when he ever first started like doodling, right? Or like Jerry Seinfeld has every single piece of paper he's ever scribbled on for all really? of his jokes. Yeah, wow. if you watch his like uh, Netflix. Special, he lays them all out on the road. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that couldn't be me. No, I get rid of everything. Like if, because I assume I've put all the information in that I need because I have the anxiety brain. So I'm always thinking about it. So surely if I'm done with it, it's done. And so, yeah, I get rid of everything. I don't even keep my raw footage. Oh, yeah. Once See, I don't keep my photos it's all gone. Yeah. yeah. So I have everything unless it's a loose piece of paper. If it's a loose <laughs> piece of paper, then that means it was a transient document that, desired, that was supposed to go in the garbage. Right? You know, I, I, it's just occurred to me that – so at the, the gym that I go to has a lot of bodybuilders. And I see so many people with notepads because, like, they're keeping track of, like – where what they've lifted and how many reps they've done and all sort of stuff. And then you get me that comes along with my phone and I have an app where I can track all my stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And it's, it's actually really interesting now I think of it that like, I think like with that, I would prefer the digital version because it automatically updates where I'm at. Whereas that person has to go back through their notebook and look at like their so stats. A lot, of those, a lot of those people then go and input it when they get home. because yeah. But they do it on the thing because they don't want the distraction of an app. Well, that and it's probably That's a lot fair. easier too. Like it's it's so much quicker to quickly jot something down than have to unlock your phone and type it and get on Instagram or TikTok and well, yeah, Joey Swall is yeah. like my, get sides. It's, it's funny. Yeah. My so the app that I use, if you close the app, it like doesn't save where you are up to. So like you you're ah. halfway through a workout and you accidentally close the app. When you open it, everything's not saved. And I'll say that to my personal trainer, and she goes, "Well, stop going on your fucking phone then." <laughs> Because that's what yeah. I would do is I would quickly put in my input and then I've got a minute rest. So then I'm looking on Instagram and then I just press the, like the button down the bottom, close all apps because that's my habit. I, I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm the same way with my fitness stuff. Everything is an app on my phone. I never write anything down. Maybe yeah. it's because I feel kind of like it's more of a progress completion thing. It's like, it adds a day of exercise to my week. I don't know. Well, I think there's a big difference. So this is the thing. What are you trying to accomplish with your documenting? Because mm -hmm. there's a big difference between tracking progress on a personal goal that's never going to be completed. You're never going to go, I am fitnessed, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you <laughs> can say, I built that table. Mm. I am fitness. I'm sorry. To be that honest. That <laughs> To be honest, the reason I track mine is because, one, I have a really, really bad memory. So when I go to the gym, I can't remember what weight I should be lifting because I don't remember what my personal best was last time. Mm -hmm. And then two, it's also my trainer is following me every single day on that app to make right. sure that I'm doing my workouts and where I'm struggling. And I can leave her notes of like, I need help with this or this one made me really sore or stuff like that. But other than that, I mean, it's pretty much just the memory thing. That's all I ever wanted was something that I could remember where to start. Because right. then I walk in and I'm like, fuck, what, what weight was I doing last time? Oh, shit. And then, I, and then I'm not doing progressive overload. And yeah. I mean, oh, that's a really thing. good. So, and that's where I think, you know, when you're trying to make it, uh, when you're trying to remember something from that, that's what documentation really is about is, is trying to either remember where you're at or help someone else understand where you're at. Right. Like yes. when I was doing programming in university and like documentation was like drilled into you, it was all so that if somebody else came and looked at it, they would understand why you, what, what this is supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone hates doing that because it, it's something that you're like, well, I don't, while you're writing it, you're like, well, I don't write no yet. Cause I'm, you know, halfway through, I don't quite know what this is going to do. Uh, let mm. me finish it and let my mind uh, clear it out beforehand. But other people like they write it out ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Right. I know people who their programming started with documentation started. It's yeah. like the people who would. So when you write an essay, there was those like different steps for writing an essay where you would start with an outline and then a rough draft and then a second draft and then a final draft and then a final version. 
I would write the final version and then go back and write a rough draft, then go back and write an outline. (laughs) I wrote one version, and that was it, and that's the part I would put in. And then I'd have to go back because I'd be like, where's where's your outline? I'm like, well, okay, here it is. I just wrote it for you. Like, I can't can't tell you how many times I've, like, made a video and someone will message me or something and be like, oh, you should have done this. Or I remember afterwards and, like, oh, I wish I did this, like, during editing or whatever. I'm like, no, too late. I'm not going back. Yeah. Well, this was only, I only did it because they required me for, you know, for marking. But. Yeah, right. So, so I'm an English minor, and I would never be able to do that. Just because the way you're taught in all of, like, the English and the writing classes, yeah, my brain always goes through the process of, like, each draft and each outline that you do. I don't think I could ever just be like, there it is. That's it. <laughs> That's amazing that you're able to do that, like. Yeah. My brain doesn't go that way. Well, that's And that's how I write all my instructables, which I know you've read a few of them. Every one of them, I've written it, and I go, I should look this over. And all I do is I open it up as a, you know, you can open it up as what it would look like, the mm-hmm. final version with all the pictures and everything. And I look at it, and I just scroll as quickly as I pretty much can. <laughs> and then I click submit. Because I'm like, I just, no, I can't. I've done it. If it's bad, oh someone else God. will find it and say something. That gives me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, yeah. it's just the way my, uh, my mind works, though. <laughs> like, I, I actually do that when I send messages. Like, if you look at, say, Discord, how oh, many I times I that. edit the message I've sent. Yeah, like, how many times I edit the message I've sent. Because I quickly type it, send it, and then I read it after I've sent it. And I'm like, shit, that's not right. And then I edit it. And sometimes it's a completely different message. Yeah. I can't. I got to think about it forever. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a problem. Well, you know what isn't a problem? Our Patreon supporters. <laughs> I especially want to thank the F-Clamp level ones. Brent Jarvis from Clean Cut Woodworking. Vincent Ferrari from Digitally Creative. Scott from Dot Yourself DIY. Joe Herdina. Lawrence from Maritime Knife Supply. Rich from Low End Design. And David Wood from DW Wood Builds. I want to thank them and all the rest of our supporters over there. It really means a lot to us to have you support the podcast. You know, I know the last time we, our last episode, we talked about like not turning stuff into a business, but uh, you know, there is something to be said. And this is one of the comments we got on our YouTube video from a longtime listener, uh, uh, James Finger. Uh, he, he talked about, you know, there's a difference between trying to turn it into a business and trying to not lose money while doing your hobby. And mm-hmm. you guys out there are the ones that make it so that That's we're not hard. losing money because this costs money. Uh, we, you know, we have a website, we have a, we pay for the Zencaster, I think, and we pay for the hosting <laughs> of the podcast. I can't remember if Zencaster is free or not. It, it was free at one point. Uh, but we pay for stuff. We buy microphones and we, you know, do stuff like that. Like one day I might, you know, get rid of this $20 microphone and it might sound good. Um, I think I actually don't do it because I'm afraid you know, if I get a better microphone, people might hear the real voice and uh, and then be like, "Oh no!" I actually, I actually think you sound fine. I know. For a twenty dollars microphone, so your microphone's really good. It's better than my fifty dollars <laughs> microphone. I know this is the, but I'm like, so this is the problem. Is I look at them and I go, well, I should buy like a five hundred dollars microphone then. Don't fix. Like I should just broken. go all out, and then I go, well. 
maybe if we had a couple more Patreon supporters. So if you're interested in hearing me speak through a $500 microphone, you go to patreon.com slash clamp. And while you're there, you'll also get access to our pre-show and after show, as well as a leather keychain made by me. Um, and now, Clamp Mendations. Clamp Mendations! Uh, I want to Clamp Mendate this week a video by a company in Australia called Super Cheap Auto. So Super Cheap Auto is, uh, oh, what's that shop? What's that big like car shop that you guys have in America? Um, Pet Boys? Maybe Pet Boys? Napa. Uh... Like, wait, like they just sell like cheap tools and stuff. Well, they're so expensive as well. Oh, Harbor Freight? Harbor, Harbor Freight. Harbor Freight, yeah. So it's like the, yeah. the Walmart of like the car scene. Yeah, so so Super Cheap Auto, every year they make like this huge production of like the five big oil providers, like Castrol and all that. And Mighty Car Mods, who is someone that I follow on YouTube, they're always involved in it. So they make a car like a week beforehand. They get like, they have to make a car like to go in the ad. So th- I want to recommend or clip a date, um, this year's ad it's really cool they got like um drift cars and stuff and like tore up a golf course i'm always excited about tearing up golf courses they put so much production value like into this 30 second ad Uh, my clamp mendation for this week i didn't think about it beforehand (laughs) so i am just going to recommend one of my favorite albums of all time which is tom petty wildflowers it is so good. If you haven't heard it, you should go listen to it. I mean, everything Tom Petty is amazing, but that one is especially my favorite. So yeah, that's mine for this week. Well, my clamendation for this week is a video that was actually shared, I believe, by Dave Bauer, and it is uh, called the. Cur- it was shared with me by Dave Bauer, but it's called "The Courage to Be Disliked: A Thought for Makers" by a guy named Sean Tucker. Um, it was just an interesting um, thing about how if you put yourself out there, you have to be you have to have some courage because not everyone's gonna like it. And mm. uh, you know, if I judge it by the amount of uh, angry and thumbs down emoticons I get on the Facebook platform, I'm pretty sure I'm the most <laughs> courageous person in the world. But uh, no, but in reality, you, you know, you're, if you put yourself out there, you have to realize that not everyone's going to like you. So you have to have some courage to be able to do that. And so it's an interesting video. Uh, It's like 12 minute long video, but I think there's only about 10 minutes. Then it goes into, he's a photographer. So it goes into some stuff about photography. Um, But yeah, interesting little conversation there. So go check it out. So now we're going in the, uh, the most fun topic that, or portion of the show that we've had but we're running out of ask jesse anythings so you guys need to go on to the clampstagram and send us a message with all the questions you want jesse answered um this is one that was sent in by phil underscore works and his question is green or orange or red jello orange always orange yeah. Interesting. I, anything citrus is always my favorite. So I think out of those three, orange. You'll be one of the only people to choose orange. It's red or green all the way. And it's red. Really? Correct answer. <laughs> oh. I don't. What about I would you, never pick, I would definitely never pick green. It just, 
is gross. I would just pick orange. <laughs> and then, uh, so I wouldn't actually pick any of those. If I was getting Jello, it would be Jello pudding. Oh my god! Yeah, if I could eat that, that's what I would get. That stuff is so good. What is Jello pudding? So it's just pop. like a chocolate pudding or like chocolate vanilla, sometimes chocolate vanilla mixed. Yeah. It's, yeah Custard? Very like kind of gelatinous. <laughs> like a snack pack. What's that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a snack, snack pack. pack. Yeah. yeah. But it's, yeah. It, that's, that's called custard. No, it's pudding. <laughs> yeah, not here. Chocolate custard. Anyway. Well, Adam, do you have a slang of the week? I do. And this one is my favorite that we've had in a long time. I was so excited for this one last week, but you made me wait. It is going to be Bachelor's Handbag. Uh, I'm going to say it's a condom. No, and I don't understand why you get handbag from that, but okay. Handbag. Well, because they come in a little wrapper. No, see, this is the thing, right? This might actually be, like, the actual item itself might be Australian as well. I don't know if it's something that you buy over there the same way. Well, I don't buy condoms. No, um... (laughs) 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 Oh, my goodness. You got strong dad energy tonight, Grant. (laughs) Yeah, can you put the uh, put it in a sentence for us then? I'm not going to put it in a sentence, but I'm going to give you two hints. One, okay, you buy it from a grocery store. Two, right. it's a food. It's a food. What? Okay. Bachelor's I... handbag. I want to say it's like a burrito of some sort. Then. No. I was thinking self-contained foods also, but I have no idea. Okay. Uh, can you, yeah. from your from your grocery stores, well, our two major ones you can, can you buy like a rotisserie chicken in a bag with mm-hmm. a handle? Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's what a ha- yeah. match with That makes a lot of sense. I just because, never would have thought that. Yeah, because so many like lonely guys that don't cook will just go buy a rotisserie chicken for dinner. Like, so. so I don't know about what it is. I don't know what it is about these chickens. But if you go buy that, it is cheaper than buying the uncooked rotisserie yeah. chicken. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, what is happening here? <laughs> and what I don't understand is is that I don't do it more often. Like I should, we should be just doing that. But we buy full chickens. Well, we wait for them to go on sale. Very, and we buy a whole bunch of them. A very common dinner, like here. I we used to do it a lot. We don't do it much anymore. But like, if you just need a quick dinner, go buy a rotisserie chicken and a packet of bread rolls. There you go, chicken on rolls. You're done for the night. <laughs> so quick and easy. Yeah, yeah. We always yeah. when we buy one, we always make chilaquiles, which I don't know if y'all know about those, but they're freaking delicious. I can link them in the show notes. (laughs) I buy them to make um, like curry chicken, pull them all apart, Mm. mix up a curry sauce in them, add some rice and you're done. It's good. So I don't buy them. I just make craft dinner. Um, (laughs) That is my specialty. You'll never have I just got an interesting text message from my wife and I'm going to talk about it in the after show. 
All right. Well, I want to thank TF Turning for the theme song. If you like the new theme song, give them, uh, you know, give them a thumbs up over on the YouTubes or Instagrams. If you don't like it, well, you can give him a thumbs down, but he'll never find out about it anymore because they took away that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if you want to find us, you can find us collectively at uh, by searching Clamp uh, on all the different platforms. And uh, if you're enjoying the reels every week, let us know. We've been doing reels and shorts and TikToks of our uh, highlighted clips, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So if you've been enjoying that, you know, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, cheers and have a great day.